Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you, Martin, and thank you all. Um, Anna and I have not worshipped with you before. This is our first time. I've done a couple of times with the um, volunteer team, or the, the year out team, encounter group with Sue's, and loved being with them. And it's really nice to be with you today. We see something of Phil Kingham, um, so now I'm visiting the sort of spiritual home that sent him out. Um, I feel I'm being blessed. And I want to say this about your worship just now. Worship is not just led by the band, it's led by the people. And that was really evident today. You know, I'm not going to say they were. They could have been Mickey Mouse, but you know. (laughs) You wanted to worship the Lord. And that's the people of God, the community of God, the family of God. Not when you're dependent on a professional band with great PA equipment, but when you will worship whatever is going on at front, you will reach out to and be touched by the Spirit of God. So thank you for doing that, and that's great to, as a visitor, see and sense is going on amongst you. And it says something about your heart, not just the heart of those on the platform. And I'm sure that touches many people as they come into the church. Uh, what's God going to do today? Let's see. (laughs) Many years ago, I I met a pastor who said his own enjoyment of church changed when he moved from thinking, what have I got to do in the service today, to thinking, what is God going to do in the meeting today? So, Father, we pray again that you will do something that you might have already hinted to us in our spirits you're going to do, but we're also inviting you, Lord, to go further to do the thing that we haven't, that's beyond our prayers and beyond our imagination, because we thank you, God, that you are able to do more than we ask and more than we even imagine. So do something like that today, we pray. Amen. Amen. So I am of a certain age, the gray hair tells it, and if you came round to our house, you would see the garden also tells it. So I'm going to go back two years ago to um, uh, birthday presents. What do you give to each other for birthdays at our age. We both have birthdays in the summer, so we decided two years ago that we'd give each other a present. Um, oh, I should... This is the present. A little water feature. Now, I would never have dreamt, even ten years ago, that we would have a water feature in our garden. But it's fun. Uh, it, it is such fun, actually, that the children, the grandchildren, and even the cat come and start playing with the water when it's running. There's something about running water that is really attractive, whether it be a little brook in the mountains or whether it be a water feature in a garden in North London, actually there's something really attractive about living water. Hold that one. That was two years ago. So what did we do last year? Well, we added to the garden features. And I'm going to introduce you to the one that we call Sammy. Why do we call her Sammy? Because she reminds us of the woman of Samaria, uh, uh, who met Jesus at the well. You see, she's got a pot. She came to Jesus. Jesus said to her, will you, uh, to the well, Jesus said to her, will you draw some water? And then a really interesting conversation pursues. So now, on one side of the garden, we have the water feature, living water. On the other side of the garden, we have Sammy coming to ask for water. And that's the conversation. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. 
if. My grandfather used to say, if ifs and buts were apples and pears, what a wonderful world we'd live in. That's true if you like apples and pears. <laughs> but if is a big question in our lives, isn't it? Or a big statement, if. If only is actually what it's, the only is normally what it's followed by, if. If only I'd done this, if only I belonged there, if only I was accepted in that one, if only I'd passed my driving test. Our son-in-law is saying that again at the moment, having tried a, a number of times. If only, if, if, if. And Jesus is saying if to this woman. And I think he's saying if to all of us today. If you really knew, he goes on, if you knew the gift of God, he is able, I've started in prayer like this, to do more than we ask or imagine. He is. So the gift of God is always something greater than that which we even imagine. Now, you will start imagining. What does that mean? What have I been asking? What am I actually looking for? What am I hungering and thirsting for? And whatever it is, if it's of God, it is greater than what you've asked. He's able to do that. He's able to do that in your life, in your family life, in the church's life, in the Enfield community, in the UK, and in the world. He's able to do something greater than yet what we've yet asked or what we've yet imagined. And Jesus goes on, if you knew who it is that asks you for a drink. Here's the reality, that this woman is suddenly meeting the Messiah, the one sent from heaven for her, for us. The Father in heaven always sends his emissary. Just as Jesus came physically, the Father in heaven still always sends someone to represent him, namely the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit drops in on people here, there, and everywhere, and we don't always recognize him at work, just as this woman did not recognize it was God's emissary sent from heaven for her that day, and she didn't realize it. And Jesus says, if only you knew. So last, yesterday afternoon, Anne and I were at uh, a hundredth a centenary celebration, it was called. Do you know what a centenary celebration is? When one the married couple, one of them is 50, the other is 40, and they've been married 10 years. That's a centenary. <laughs> it was great fun. And uh, there are, it's a, um, a cousin of, of Anne's, and um, we don't very often see that part of the family. And actually, the truth is, we only knew the couple, uh, the, 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 who, the, uh, the young man who Anne has prayed for all his life because she's his godmother and his wife and um, their parents, his parents. We didn't really know anybody else. So we found ourselves, I did, thinking, do I really want to be here? Probably not. But, Lord, you obviously brought... Don't you ever feel that? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But, you know, I'm thinking, Lord, what am I here for? And I found myself in a conversation with, actually, the uh, Eleanor's father. And um, he's an Iranian. So I start talking about Iranians that we've met. And uh, we have a young couple in, uh, in our church now who are Iranians, they're part of our home group, and their story is really interesting. So I told them, him, their story. He was converted by reading a copy of Matthew's Gospel. It was, this is in Iran. Of course, you can't get a Bible in Iran easily, so the copy of Matthew's Gospel that he was given was actually a photocopy of the Gospel, which he duly read. To start with, he thought, this doesn't make sense. But as he read it, he realized every time he read some of it, peace came into his life. 
So he then gave his life to Jesus. His wife thought he'd gone mad because they're Muslims, strict, you know, fairly strict Muslims. And, um, uh, but then she realized his life has been changed. He's much nicer to me now than he ever was before. Every wife longs for that. Um, so then, as she is thinking there's something in this, Jesus appears to her in a dream. And she gives her life to the Lord. But because they've now become believers, they're running an alpha course. Actually, they're really being persecuted, rejected by their family. So they have to leave the, the country. In fact, he comes over two years before she comes over with their children. So I told, them that I told this guy um, at this centenary celebration this story. And then I said to him, have you ever met Jesus like that? And he thought for a while. And he said, sometime. So I waited for a few minutes, and I said, tell me about the sometime. When and how did that happen? And he said, and his job is working for a church in North London amongst vulnerable people, particularly for the homeless. And he said, well, it's interesting. Sometimes when I'm speaking with the homeless, I haven't got a clue how to help them. And then I find it's almost as if someone is helping me help them. I said, that is Jesus. Friends, it's a good thing to ask people around us, have you ever had an encounter with Jesus? Um, Anne, as we came back in the car afterwards, and it was quite a long journey, so we had time to talk about it all, um, she said um, she got into a conversation with some others, and it was exactly the same thing with them. If we ask, it helps people to actually identify moments in their life where God's emissary, the one sent from heaven by God, the Holy Spirit has dropped in on them and they've actually had a conversation but they haven't recognized that's Jesus and all that follows from that. Our question provokes their thoughtfulness which hopefully opens their eyes to who it is that asks you for a drink. If you'd done that, you would have asked him. You would have asked him. You would have asked him. If Jesus was physically present in this room, you would have asked him. Is that not true? Yeah. If we knew, we would have asked. Friends, ne never stop asking. We will ask whether we know or not. Just keep asking. There's, there's not much to living this Christian life. It's just being with him and actually allowing the Holy Spirit to make him appear to us greater and greater and greater such that we will ask him anything and everything and actually we will receive the gift from God. You see, the gift from God ultimately is himself. It's all sorts of things associated with that, but it is himself. He will embrace us in love. He will give us joy. He will give us, it says here, living water, the very essence of life itself, which will never grow stale on us. You know, life grows stale for many people at many moments in their lives. Have you ever, can you look back on a time in your life where you thought, ugh, really? You know, it's just ugh, hard work. You, you feel stale, you feel stagnant, you feel, where's life going? You feel, I've, I've not got much purpose. I'm not really sure what I'm created for or why I'm going on doing the things I'm doing at the moment. It may be even you grow tired, fed up with the relationship that you've got, that you committed yourself to under the grace of God. And you think, oh. And then you're embraced again by the Lord. Something happens, you have an encounter in worship, somebody says something to you, you read scripture, you pray, and the Spirit of God comes again to you. Whew. 
and you feel refreshed. That's the simplicity and the profound depth of living for Jesus. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So let me introduce you to our granddaughter. Um, she's a special needs girl. She very special needs. In utero, her skull didn't close, which means that her brain leaked into a sac outside her skull, which means it dies. Um, it's called an encephalocele. That part, that sac and the brain within it has to be cut off at birth. It has to be caesarean section in order for the child to be born alive and for the mother to have a chance of living as well. The prognosis, she lost a third of her brain. And if you take a scan of her brain, it doesn't look like what you see as a normal brain formation. It, or it looks like those... Um, I'm not sure what the things in the brain are called, but basically they're all sort of separate from each other rather than tightly packed up close together. We were told that it was highly likely that she'd be fairly inert all her life. She is totally blind, and she has not got motor movement correctly, and she can't really speak very much, but she is all the time developing which is what they didn't say would happen. They, so th there is a surprise, which is, in a sense, not a surprise because we keep praying over her. So just recently, and I'm, I'm, I'm about to show you a video of her in a moment, just recently, um, in the last three months, uh, we've been singing over her in tongues at her request. So she is able to say, Nana singing to us recognizable, even if not to everybody else recognizable. So we start singing in tongues. And then when one of us does it, she then says, uh, Bapa singing. So I have to join in as well, which isn't quite such a harmonious sound. <laughs> but at that moment, she then starts singing, because she can't articulate words. Actually, singing sounds is easier for her, in a sense, and she's doing it as we're doing it. Anne has recently started singing to her, Oh Bella Baby, I Love You. And that's because she calls herself Oh Bella Baby because I can't quite, can't quite uh, remember the derivation of that. So Anne starts singing, Oh Bella Baby, I Love You. She wants to change it. So she starts singing, Oh Nana Nana, I Love You. <laughs> oh oh uh, Mama Mama, Oh Dada Dada, Oh Bapa Bapa, I Love You. No, 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 says Bella. Then Anne says, sings, Oh, Holy Spirit, I love you. More. 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 There is something going on in her spirit which we cannot cognitively understand and she cannot cognitively express, but you'll see it here. A few Sundays ago. Can we have the sound so we can just hear that in the background? It is well with my soul. Um, I'll go back and then if you, is the sound on that one? There isn't sound. We're just trying to get the sound on the Bella one. Uh, without, without the sound you won't understand the significance of it. Uh, sorry, this is rather last minute. As we were praying I suddenly thought I should show this. 
Can you hear in the background? It is well with my soul. I will give you living water. Living water is flowing in her life and it's coming out in the way that she expresses it that is consistent with who she is and it is well with my soul. Now, I didn't know I was going to show that. It was just as we were praying. I felt the Lord prompt me to put, show that. As we were worshipping just now, Anne said to me, are you showing that video of Bella? She didn't know I was thinking of it because I hadn't planned it. And... Uh, she said to me, I think there's somebody, there are going to be people here who there's something in their soul that's going to change today. Even if your circumstances don't immediately change in all the ways you might like them to do, because that's better as well, there's something in your soul that God is changing. Living water for those who ask. Of course, in the Bible, um, our own encounter with God is likened here with that of a deer. The psalmist writes, as the deer pants for streams of living water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Now, sometimes I thirst for God. Sometimes, if I'm honest, I'm not so thirsty. Is that you? Just like a day physically. There are some days when we really feel our thirst. There are some days when we don't. When we really feel it, oh my goodness, how wonderful it is when we slate our thirst. As the deer pants for streams of living water, my soul pants for thee, O God. The uh, Christian writer Tozer wrote this, I'm painfully conscious of my need for further grace, and I'm ashamed of my lack of desire. And then he prays, O God, I want to want thee. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made more thirsty still. So I've changed that uh, statement from the singular to the plural so that we together can express our thirst. And I invite you to say this as a prayer with me. As the deer pants for streams of living water, our souls pant for you, our God. And we'll pray that again. The trouble is, when it rains, after it's been dry for a long time, the ground doesn't absorb the water very quickly. This is a video that I found last year after that very, very, very arid spell. And in the upturned uh, tumbler of water, you will see when the grass is already, or the ground is already moist, the water is absorbed very quickly. But I will go on, or I could go on, and you'll be pleased I won't go on speaking for another five minutes about what happens when actually we're arid and the ground is hard. The water just never soaks in. In a normal event, it's still going. 
And if it's been a period of dryness, then hardly anything changes for a long period. So when Samuel is a young boy, and it says about it, it was a time when people did not hear the voice of the Lord, he goes in to Eli to say, uh, did you call me? Because he did not know, understand, or experience that the Lord could speak to him. And that's what it's like for many of us. We, most of the time, are unaware, even though they actually God is wanting to pour his living water into our lives, that there's things that are, can happen if we are responsive. But we've been unresponsive for periods such that we've grown arid. And even though God is, as it were, knocking at the door, seeking entrance, pouring out the water, we're still not receiving all that he has to give. And I could go on talking for another five minutes, and that that tumbler would still not be empty. So again, together, as the deer pants for streams of living water, so our souls pant for you, our God. I spoke about the living water being so attractive that our grandchildren and even the cat play with the running water. I think this is what our Christian lives are meant to be like and our church community life is meant to be like, that actually people will come almost running to be immersed in that which has immersed us. When it's living when it's just routine, when it's that which we've always done, when it's something that's actually just a repetition of words, actually, who is interested in stagnant water? But when it's living, running, flowing water, wow, it's another story altogether. And Jesus talks about the river that flows not just into us, but out of us. And that's always God's intention, that we be filled to overflowing. The truth is we always do overflow. It's just a question of what we overflow with, whether we overflow with garbage or whether we overflow with the living water that Jesus has poured into us. So that's why fill me, fill me, fill me afresh is actually such an important prayer, which is why Paul writes, therefore, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit because he wants, as the Lord wants, that when somebody bumps into us in life, what comes out is not the same as comes out when somebody who is not a believer is knocked into by the circumstances of life, which is normally bitterness, complaint, anger, a sense of unfairness, injustice, and actually um, bad relationship. What God says is that if there's living water in us, when we're filled to overflowing, even in the most difficult circumstances of our lives, something will flow out of us that's from him and for others. Which is why that transition in my thinking yesterday afternoon was quite important. Away from, I don't know what I'm doing here, I don't want to be here, to, Lord, is there somebody that I can speak to here about you? So, You remember Ezekiel 47, the river flowing from under the altar. And the man is taken by the man of God into the water. First of all, knee deep, sorry, ankle deep, then knee deep, then waist deep. And then he's out of his depth. And the river takes him, it says, or the river flows to the dry places, right into the desert. And it says then that this water flows and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. The salt water becoming fresh is a miracle. Normally, fresh water becomes salty when the two mix. 
And actually, sadly, that is very often the case with the Christian church, that when we live our Christian lives amongst those who don't yet know the Lord, we are affected by them and become more like them. It has always been God's intention that our encounter with him, the place of worship, and our responsiveness to the Spirit of God is such that so immersed in him, when we go out from the place of worship and fellowship, actually those around us who don't yet know the Lord are touched and changed by the Lord in us. So we change culture rather than culture changes us. That's the river, friends. That's the living water. That's what the Lord is wanting to do. And shall I tell you something? Even though you're now saying yes, he's able to do more than you've just thought about. So um, last uh, August, I went to Ireland with Anne to do a little bit of teaching. And um, before I went, I thought I wanted to check up on the Ulster prayer revival of the mid, uh, I can't remember the exact date, end of 1958 it began. And this is the man uh, who's credited as being one of the key people who started, a man called James McQuilgan. He'd only been converted less than a year. Incidentally, is there anybody that's given their life to the Lord in the last year here? Not, not consciously, or not prepared to identify with that at the moment. Okay, well, what about, what about five years? I'll give you five years. Anybody who's come to know the Lord in the last five years here? Oh, lovely, lovely to meet you. Okay, so a relatively young person here. So James McQuilgan, I think, was 21 or 20. So between 20 and 25, let's, let, let's, let's make sure I've got that right. And um, the person that was discipling him in the things of God basically was encouraging him. He said, I want to start a prayer meeting. And so she encouraged him to do that. And in 19, sorry, 1857, in a place called Kells, four people began praying with him. He's only been converted about a year to 18 months at this stage. By the end of 1958, there were uh, 50, um, was that in Kells itself, or was that actually 50? No, it was 50 people had joined the prayer meeting. So he was, by that stage, he'd been going just over a year. Now, if you start a prayer meeting with four, I don't know what your expectations are, but most churches that start with a prayer meeting of four uh, and and say that they're going to do it weekly, they discover after about six weeks there's nobody coming. (laughs) In other words, people drop away rather than get added. But actually, over 18 months or whatever it was, 50 people started praying. What did we say? If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's asked you for a drink, you would have asked. There's something about that that grabbed him and he thought, we're going to go on asking. Uh, By the end of 1859, that's just 12 months later, there were a hundred similar groups praying all over Northern Ireland. And in the next three years, 100,000 people were converted. Now, 100,000 people was apparently 10% of the whole of Northern Ireland at that time. The whole population. If you knew the gift of God and who it is, you would have asked. And he would have given you living water. Friends, I'm so struck that the Western church, by and large, We've forgotten who God really is, how great, how glorious, how pure, and how powerful he is. We've forgotten, actually, that it's Jesus, the one that promises to give the Holy Spirit. And if we ask, he will give. And we've forgotten to ask. We're not a praying church. 
I want to thank God for the African church, which I know to be a praying church. And there are many other parts of it. The Iranian church is a praying church. The Korean church has been a praying church. The South American church has been a praying church. The Western church, by and large, is not a praying church in the way that they are. And what happens? If you do not ask, you will not have. But if you ask, you will have rivers of living water. Now, I want you to imagine a river. But before that, just we had a prayer, didn't we? Yes, Lord, as the deer pants for streams of living water, so our souls pant for you, our God. <clears throat> Israel is, uh, you know, there's an arid desert in Israel, so all this language about the desert is very real. We don't have desert here in this country. The nearest I've got, I have visited Israel. Um, I've also visited, and we did this last September, August, I mean, I uh, visited Namibia, which is desert land. So there's a giraffe hidden in the middle of that. <laughs> you may or may not see it. <laughs> but even in the midst of the desert, God is at work, creative, doing beautiful things. We have to look, though. When the rains come in Namibia, everything changes. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read from Isaiah 35 at the same time as showing what happens when the rains come in Namibia. And I'm wanting you to be praying, we pant for you, our God. If we ask, then rivers of living water will flow even in the desert spiritual land of North London. It should be sound with this as well. Apparently he managed to get it going before. Let's just see where we can get that. It adds to the drama of it. Well, imagine the sound. <laughs> the desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly. It will shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. You're thinking, here, Lord, here, Lord, here, Lord, do it here, Lord. We pant for you, our God. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue will shout for joy. Waters will gush forth in the wilderness, streams in the desert. 
The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs, and in the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there. Only the redeemed of the Lord will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. That's what rivers of living water can do. I I, I titled this Always More. Always More. Always More in our own walk with God. Always More for you as a church community. Always More of what God is intending for North London where we live. Always More around the world if we knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked and he would have given you living water. Let's continue to ask, friends, and he will give. He will give living water. We pant for you, Lord. In a dry and thirsty land, in a continent that's now known to be post-Christian and probably more godless than most other continents on the earth, we pant for you, O God. We look to you, Jesus, as the only Savior, the one sent from heaven to bring the glory, the wonder of relationship with the Father to us here on earth. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. We look to you, we recognize you, Jesus, as the only one that can give us life as it was meant to be lived, knowing the living God as Father. We pant for you, Lord Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we pant for you. Living water in us, living water through us. And when we're we're thirsty, we've lost our thirst, Lord, we pray simply that you'd make us thirsty again. 
And even when we're thirsty and the river's running, Lord, we thank you that you've still more and you can do more than we've asked and more than we can even imagine. And that's why we pant for you, O God. For the always more that you write about and that you do around your world. We pant for you, our God. Now, I gather the band are going to come back. Is that right? Can you do that, please? That thirst for him is something that we need to keep cultivating. And the more the river flows, the more absorbent we are of the presence of the Spirit and the more he will flow from us to others. So this is not just an event. This is all part of a process. Don't let today's expression of hunger be forgotten tomorrow. Say again, we pant for you, O Lord. As the deer pants for living water, we pant for you, our God. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Let it not be said of us, if only you knew, you would have asked. Let it be said of us, you asked, and I gave you living water. Jesus, you're so wonderful. Thank you for you, that you stopped for that woman at the well. Thank you that you stopped for us. Now, if there's somebody that's relatively new to the church and you've not yet made a personal, definite and clear response to Jesus coming to you in the way that he comes to everybody in life, this is the day that you can do that. If you've not yet said to him, Jesus, I want you to be my savior, my friend and my Lord, this is the day for you to do that. But if you have already done that, this is a day like every other day of your life where you're saying to him, Lord, just keep releasing the river of your spirit in me and through me for others, I pray. I pant for the spirit of the living God. Now, I don't know how you normally do ministry at the end of a sermon and uh, at the end of time of worship, but um, I'm going to suggest we stand. Um, I don't know what song you guys are thinking you might be going to play in a minute, but just tell me. Sorry? Build my life. Um, I can't remember how that goes at all. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Worthy of every song you could ever sing. That sounds quite good, doesn't it? I think I agree with that one. We can have that one. Um, <laughs> Lord, thank you. You are wonderful. You are wonderful. Why don't you stand? Now, I don't, I, I'm going I'm to invite people to come towards the front if they'd like some personal prayer from a team I don't know who's on the team to do the praying but I guess there is a team here uh, you can come at any, at any point if you're just saying Lord I've lost my thirst that's okay, just come and say I've lost my thirst, I want, it, I want to be thirsty again if you're saying I want to give my life to Jesus then you can come if you're saying I just want to be filled more with the Holy Spirit to give away more you can come but particularly if there's somebody that uh, says, I want, I want it all to be well with my soul, 
Even more than I want my circumstances to change, I want it to be well with my soul, like Bella, then you can come. Particularly if there's somebody here that feels very, or a number of people that feel very undervalued by others at the moment, I think the Lord says to you, I value you. I don't value gifts. I value you. It doesn't matter if you don't think your gifts as gifted as somebody else here or um, as acceptable as somebody else here. All the Lord says is offer yourself. And he says, I value you for you. So your security in that is really important to the Lord. Uh, if there's somebody here that's worried about Parkinson's, disease. That is the phrase I got. You're worried about Parkinson's disease. And I don't know whether that's because you've got some symptoms of it or you've got a relative or a friend that's struggling with it. But worrying about Parkinson's disease. And because we've already had a testimony about hearing and we are committed utterly, Anne and I, to praying for anybody that cannot see well because we are so committed to praying for Bella for the restoration of her sight as well as the well-being of her soul. If you have either hearing or seeing dysfunction of any sort, we would love to pray for you for the Lord to restore that fully. So as some are singing the words of this song, if you identify with any of those things, then this is an event as well as a process. In other words, come now. Come now. The Lord is here. And if you knew the gift of God and who it is, Jesus, that's amongst you, you would have asked. And he would have given you living water.